Thank you. Thank you. Um, first, I just um, give honor to God for this opportunity for all of us uh, to come together on this evening by way of technology, um, as most of us, I believe, are getting used to, um, you know, some of us by hook or by crook. <laughs> Um, we are getting used to this technology. Hopefully we are becoming uh, more and more comfortable um, to Pastor Nicholas and um, even to Sarah. Thank you all for your friendship, your vision and your leadership here in Kansas City. Um, and to all of you all, saints and friends, I am just grateful for the opportunity to be here on tonight. Um, our scripture for this evening, just one verse for reflection on tonight is Proverbs 31 verse 10, Proverbs 31 verse 10, and it simply says this, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Let's pray. Gracious and glorious God, we thank you so much for this, our time together. God, may it be sweet. May it be inspiring. May it be encouraging. May it even be challenging. And now, God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our great redeemer and all of God's children said amen. I know that the church is in a series or beginning a series um, talking about the saints of old, I guess, and probably some modern day saints as well. And here, um, just a few thoughts um, on my Ruby saints, my Ruby saints. You have never met my rubies, my inspirations, my ancestors, my grandmothers. So allow me to introduce you to Mary and Teresa. I met them before I knew how to say and spell my name. They loved me before I knew them. They blessed me before I could speak to them. They had dreams for me before I could show them all of who God created me to be, my rubies. Mary and Teresa were like the rare jewels found in museums. Mary and Teresa were like the rainbows peeking through the clouds of a dreary day. Mary and Teresa were like the first and most important bite into your favorite dessert after a difficult day. Delightful, comforting, sweet. My rubies. They were both teachers. They were both leaders. They were both role models. They were both friends. Mary demanded excellence. Teresa exuded grace. Mary inspired leadership. Teresa required faith in God as she understood God to be. My rubies were smart, resourceful, creative, and kind. My rubies loved family, going to church, and I never knew either of them to have a glass of wine. My rubies are two of my most precious memories. I hope that you will see that their influence upon my life was, has been, and continues to be. My rubies are saints, not designated by the Pope or any other ecclesial body. My rubies are saints, 
simply because I believe them to be. And their witness while here was extraordinary. Saints are special people. Saints are often known for their kindness in extreme situations, courage in the face of great adversity, perseverance and persistence against all odds. Saints are often recognized at the end of their lives, if not before, by people in important and in highly respected positions and their life story often vetted for years after their bodies have decomposed. Saints might be famous around the world. Saints' names might be given to children whose parents respected them. Saints' personas might be larger than life, rare, distinguished, and seemingly unattainable by the average person. But saints are actually just people. Saints are actually just people created in the image of God, who are clear about their purpose and follow God's command to love and answer God's call to be faithful. We can all be saints. My Ruby saints were those kind of women for who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies, not diamonds, not pearls, Ruby, says the King James Version, a ruby is a lustrous deep red stone. The ruby's hue is close to the color of blood, which carries oxygen to all parts of the body. Ruby red is the color of self-confidence built on daring action and excitement. A ruby has represented nobility, purity, vitality, vigor, and passion. A ruby is known as a protective stone that can bring happiness. A ruby is said to inspire devotion and faithfulness within a romantic relationship. A ruby is believed to promote loving, nurturing, health, knowledge, and wealth. The ruby has been associated with improved energy and concentration, creativity, loyalty, honor, and compassion. Ruby is thought to be protective of home, possessions, and family. A ruby is said to to stimulate spiritual wisdom. The ruby has been believed to make its wearer more aware, more focused, remain alert, and helpful in discovering one's true destiny and calling. A ruby raises our spirits and speeds up our metabolism. It motivates our creativity and desire. The ruby is also believed to protect the wearer from negative entities that leach positive energy, promoting spiritual vitality and wellness overall. A ruby is used to alleviate body pain and help with blood and circulatory problems, low energy heart problems, and detoxification. In some ancient cultures, ruby gemstones were used to cast lots to predict the future. In some, the ruby is known as and for the stone of love, power and leadership, integrity and devotion, courage and strength, passion and energy, sexuality and fertility, generosity and prosperity, confidence and motivation. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. This verse is the introduction to what has come to be known as the Proverbs 31 woman. 
the sage goes on to describe her reputation, her resourcefulness, and the responses that her presence evokes. Some have said this is many women. Some have said this is one woman. Some have said this is no woman at all, but an ideal, a dream, an unattainable standard that has been imposed upon modern and postmodern women. The Proverbs 31 woman, regardless of your determination of her real or imaginative existence, is a saint. She is a characterization of all women in one way or another. At some point in time or another, she is you. She is me. She is us. She is a ruby saint. She reminds me of my grandmother's. My ruby saints, Mary and Teresa, were Proverbs 31 women, not because they checked all of these boxes, but because they were true saints who are actually just people created in the image of God, who are clear about their purpose and follow God's command to love and answer God's call to be faithful. Mary and Teresa were saints and they are my Ruby saints, precious gems, faithful witnesses, loving parents and grandparents, guardian angels, ruby saints. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? I have known at least two. May they continue to rest in peace and cheer for me in that great cloud of witnesses until we meet again, my ruby saints. Amen. So here are some discussion questions that I invite you um, that I invite you all to consider, um, and they're posted in our chat here um, on Zoom, and I'm sure they'll be posted in the comments on Facebook as well. How would you describe the qualities of your favorite or ideal saint or saints? And why do we tend to exclude ourselves from that description? How would you describe the qualities of your favorite or ideal saints? And why do we tend to exclude ourselves from this description? Second, in what ways can you be a more faithful witness or more saintly in your everyday life to love and honor God and neighbor? In what ways can you be a more faithful witness more saintly in your everyday life to love and honor God and neighbor. And lastly, um, how can this particular worshiping community come together to inspire saintly service in Kansas City and beyond? How can this worshiping community come together to inspire saintly service in Kansas City and beyond? I can I can share some thoughts. Um, I think I didn't grow up in a in a tradition that uh, like well, I didn't grow up Christian in the first place, and then like since then um, I I just haven't had a lot of exposure to like stories about saints, and so the ones that I am familiar with um, would be well. Actually, did Dorothy Day actually get uh, sainted? <laughs> Were this, they this is... almost did, and then they didn't. Well, yeah, it it well it's it's the canonization process takes a minute so mm. 
people are working on it, but it takes a while within the Catholic Church. Okay. okay. So, so she would be the one that I'm the most familiar with. And um, I think, you know, what she really brings to mind is, is this separation of like, um, like resisting dominant culture um, and all of the things that are so enticing uh, in this life, like power, money, um, luxury, um, you know, things like that. And so, you know, things that are, that are part of this world that, that are kind of, um, like not up to the standard of, of God's calling, you know, and how do we resist like all of these temptations and really be focused on like, um, like bringing God's kingdom on earth, but like not at the same time, like really succumbing to like earthly comforts, I guess. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm thinking of is like, so qual a quality of a saint would be like, how can we like, just always be thinking like beyond our own immediate um, comforts and, and, and even desires. And like, how are we always valuing like something greater? Cause I feel like that's really hard. Cause everything in the world is, is like telling you, like, you should want these really like comfortable things that make your life good, like temporarily or immediately like instant gratification. And so when I think about qualities of saints, like it's something beyond that. I, um, I also did not grow up in a tradition that necessarily talked about saints, although we did in the sense of like our ancestors. So um, when I think about saints, I think about my great grandma and all those other people that I, in, in my family line that I've never met. But I also think about more recent saints that have joined um the great cloud of witnesses so like john lewis and i um before him i would my favorite would be maya angelou as a as a poet and writer and just a woman who spoke her truth um so those are those that's some of my thoughts yeah i um I, when reading your first question delesslin i um i thought of when I first moved to Kansas City, it was about five years ago. Um, I have a friend who who still lives here, um, who she's an artist and she, I met her when I first moved to KC and she was working on uh, a series of wanting to paint her friends as saints. Um, and so she, she kind of was just practicing, kind of just like thinking through like the portraits and like painting portraits. So she was painting them on these like little wooden blocks that were like three inches by three inches, like super tiny. Her name's Caroline Colby Gonzalez. I'll throw her name out there too. So if anyone's watching, she's a local Casey artist. She's great. Um, yeah. And, and I don't even think that that project, she ever like completed that project. I think it was just like, I'm thinking about these things. And, and, um, and, and I, I grew up in a tradition, like I grew up in like a non-denominational church. So in a Christian church and it wasn't, you know, I didn't really understand what saints were, and I still don't have a, a deep knowledge of, of saints and sainthood and like the traditional canonized sense. But I remember when Caroline was just kind of like spitballing this idea with me. And then she asked if I would like sit for her one time just so she could practice her portraits. And I was like, sure, that's cool. I'm honored. And we were just like talking in our studio and um, it, it just, it, it gave me a new eyes to just like even see my friendships differently. Um, 
even though I didn't have this like deep rooted knowledge of like, what is sainthood? Just to view friendships in this new way of how, how is this person in front of me um, walking with this holy halo around their head, just like in their essence of who they are. Um, Yeah. And I thought about that project a lot, even though I don't think she ever even like finished it. She had a lot of things going on at once and her, her artistic thing bent her towards another project she was working on. But yeah, even that little seed of an idea I've, I've set with a lot. Yeah, I would say, I would say for me, um, there are two things that come to mind. I mean, obviously, you know, there having been a part of the Catholic worker movement, um, I was exposed to certain Catholic saints like Archbishop Romero. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a person who was active in organizing uh, poor folks and, and farmers in um, El Salvador. And he was killed uh, precisely because of his organizing work that he was doing. And it's just hearing stories of different folks who have, have stood up to um, power structures um, and spoke truth to them regardless of the consequences that would come is, is pretty compelling to me. I mean, that's part of the reason why I probably hopped on the Jesus train. It's like, I mean, this dude was doing like some really radical stuff in the first century and, and he stood up to the, the power structure of his day and he was killed for it. You know, he was organizing the poor, upending the social, economic, political order. And yeah, they took him out for it. And so there, there's a certain element of, um, I don't know, basically in times of crisis, um, I love seeing that moral clarity kind of come through. Um, like it's a pretty remarkable thing to me. So, so whenever I see that kind of thing exhibited, like it's, it's really, really compelling and inspiring. Um, so that, that's one of the things that I would say. And then the other, the other thing that I think, uh, when I think of saintly types, <laughs> It's folks who are, um, I don't know, just centered and they kind of have, oh, what is it? Um, A lot of times when folks discuss like Christian mystics or different saint types, they talk about how they're able to will the one thing. Uh, So it's like this singularity of of purpose and they're just kind of like, they're they're rolling like they, so again, they they see things clearly. they, they have that moral clarity to them. But I also think that in order for that to happen, there's, there's a deep level of um, self-transformation that's taken place within these individuals. And so that is also um, inspiring to me, I think. Why do you think we tend to exclude ourselves from these descriptions? I think, at least for me, I, uh, I've just recently thought about the idea of living saints. And usually when I think about saints, I think about people who have joined the ancestors. So that's why I would exclude myself at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I've always had the idea that, I mean, the same background, like as far as not knowing much about, you know, saints in a traditional sense, but I've always thought about like it becoming, it's something that you get at at the end of your life, if you've done, if you've done well, or what, I don't know, whatever, then, then that's how you become a saint. So, um, 
so yeah, I don't, it's, it's interesting for me to think about, um, how, yeah, like how can I look at myself and say that, or, you know, like who can I look at around me that I would say has that, or, you know, that's, yeah, it's just a different viewpoint, which I like, it's just different to think about. And like, as far as myself, I think along with most people maybe even in American culture as well like we're bombarded with like what we should be doing or what we should look like or what we you know it's always this constant message of like you're not perfect you're not whole you need more you need to be different you need to you know so I think that's what makes it hard for us or part of what makes it hard for me is I know that like all day I'm bombarded with messages of not not being enough not being a ruby let's put it that way <laughs> and, and needing all these things to complete that. And so I think that's why it's hard to even go, Oh, like, what if I was thinking about what if I was a saint? What if, you know, I was doing these things or whatever. So. Yeah, I think so. Growing up the, the, the using the word saint was almost like synonymous with saying Christian. So it wasn't like just these special people. Like we were all children of the most high, you know, we were all saints, you know, we believed in God, baptized and those kinds of things. So being a saint was synonymous with being a Christian. And of course, later on, as I was growing up, I learned um, like of the Catholic tradition. And um, so that was different for me, uh, you know, as it relates to like elevating certain people um, that, um, that the community or what have you had, you know, agreed upon or, you know, should be. But um, I think one of the things that I definitely wanted to highlight was that all of us can be saints, you know, and all of us um, can be saintly in those things that we aspire um, and that we reverence and honor and respect um, in other people, our heroes and our sheroes, um, are the same qualities that are available to us to be able to grow and develop and live into. Yeah. That makes me, Maddie, I really want your friend to, <laughs> to do that series or if not to like help like someone else to, you know, like gift that idea to someone else because, um, yeah, because I think that's beautiful for us to start thinking of ourselves like that. Um, and then even like, like depict ourselves in art that way or talk about ourselves that way or, you know. Yeah, because I was actually thinking about your friend Maddie. I was wondering if she drew herself mm. as part of that series. Yeah, that's right. actually a really good question. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to recall because I know like she was kind of just like practicing on, she also wanted to just kind of practice painting on wood blocks versus canvas or on wood in general. She has painted herself, so she pivoted and did like a full show with the Lady Volcus, so you can see some of her work. I'll I'll even put it in the chat later. Um, I'll find some of her work from the Lady Volcus. She had a show there, um, and all of the figures in the show, for the most part, were her. So she took all these different photos of herself, and then took the photo and and, and painted it. So, but I don't know if she's painted herself though with this and with this series in mind. So I'm gonna have to ask her about that. But yeah, yeah. So in what ways can you, we be more faithful witnesses, more saintly in our everyday lives um, to love and honor God and neighbor? 
I think the more that we work to work for the cause of justice, um, work for the liberation of ourselves and others, um, the more we are being formed and shaped into saints, living saints and then saints that others might look up to once we're no longer here. Um, yeah. I feel like this is the hardest question because I mean, so much of, of sainthood is, you know, described as like being like above, it's like very hierarchical. And um, I think, I think part of that is like, we don't often hear about the journeys of saints. We only hear about like their arrival to like be being who we know them to be and not like the path that they went on to get there. And so I think, you know, sharing our own, struggles and our own journeys with people. Um, Cause you never know um, like who's looking to you as an example, right? Or thinking like, oh, like she's got it, you know, like, <laughs> and when internally, I think most people are like, spend a lot of their life being like, I don't got it. Like, I do not know <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, you know, so I think the more that we can share our own um, struggles and our own wins to show the journey and show that transformation for others. Um, so, you know, to create a culture of like, you know, it's, it's not like from here to here, right? Like there's like a whole path in between, um, that gets you there. Yeah. Part of it, I think is, I mean, knowing my own religious upbringing, I was taught to, again, like not trust myself. Um, and I, and I feel like, um, there, like if we believe that we are all, you know, have that divine spark within us, then we should probably trust ourselves a little bit you know, um, and, and in order to be able to like live from that place. And so I feel like even if just a bunch of folks begin to live from that place, not saying that like, hey, this is my spiritual truth, it's not yours. So it's a way to avoid uh, accountability with the community around you. Like, I'm not talking about that, but just like, if we live from this this place, um, I feel like that alone would, would uh, do a number on a whole bunch of things and, and on, on me at least, you know, and so, because uh, we would have a bunch of folks who uh, would no longer, I don't know, kind of be bound and held back by that kind of uh, theology that, that teaches you that the only thing you can trust is this like uh, person in a position of like pastor or what have you. And, and they are the ones that are going to tell you what is right, and what is wrong. Uh, when in reality, it's like, Shoot, I mean, we, we need to recognize that we got God inside ourselves and how can we live from that place? And I, I feel like that would help us out a lot. Christy has shared on Facebook, um, be of service to others and answering your question to Leslin. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Christy. And by the way, everybody is now back. So um, the lesson, if you'd like to uh, take us through, I know we've been kind of discussing these questions, but now we're all here. And so who knows what the discussion is going to do, but feel free to take it away and, and facilitate us through a little debrief. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to start with the last question, actually, um, which is more of like the, the community, like the first two were kind of individualistic, but this one is how, how can this particular community, the open table, um, come together to inspire saintly service in Kansas City and beyond? you know, or how are you already doing so? I mean, I've been thinking that, I mean, it's obviously there's 
so many things going on right now and so much so many people who don't who are like in want and getting um you know we have people getting kicked out of their houses and apartments in january maybe um we have you know the highest unemployment rates I mean, all these things that are happening because of the pandemic and because it's exposing um, a lot of problems. And, and I was thinking just even the other day, I was on social media and I saw someone who had just, it was like this swap and trade group. And someone just put a post that was just very simple and said, hey, I know that some people have stuff and some people don't so how about we just start a thread of like hey I have this and I don't need it anymore does anybody want it or maybe someone for Christmas is like hey I really would like to have this to give to my significant other or my child or whatever but obviously I can't buy it does anyone have one or a connection and it just became the most beautiful thing I've ever seen um which like I was like okay so maybe like not all social media is garbage. Um, but that because it just, it was full of these people, you know, asking, being authentic and saying like, hey, I really need this or that. And people like hopping on to say, oh, I have that. Or like, I, you know, I have that size shoe for your kids and like, they're a little worn or like this or that, you know, people being like, great, I'll take him, you know? And so it just became this really beautiful community of people helping each other, which made me like believe that that happens again. And, and I think that there, it just, it, like it inspired me to try to think about even the small things because it's hard to, um, yeah. So even that was a small thing that someone just thought, what if we did this and like galvanized an entire, you know, neighborhood. And I just think that was really cool. And I keep thinking about like, how, how can I do that in other places too? What can we start? That's just a free, like, I have this, who wants it? I don't need it to just be taking up room or that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. And I like what Melissa just said in the chat that, um, she said, was wondering how we not get overwhelmed by the problem to the point of inaction. And I think that is so key because that's where I feel like I might've been living for a while is just like the constant barrage of the bullshit lasagna. And I'm just going, ah. Um, so that's a really good point too, of like how to not get over. That's a good, uh, that's a good question, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> So those are my thoughts. Um, hey, Delaslin. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, I love this. I love this conversation. Um, I, when I think about the open table and this question of being saintly, like the first thing that came to my mind, like I hate that I'm kind of drawing a blank, but like the first thing that came to my mind is like, oh, it was it felt so much easier before COVID, like even just our numbers tonight, like it just, there's kind of like a sadness in me because I know that when we're in space and around the dinner table, it's such like a bustling community. And so I think I'm struggling like with this question, like 
what what does it look like to be saintly while not taking on just more things to do and more ways to exhaust ourselves like what does it look like to actually be with one another and be available to one another and care for ourselves in that yeah that's not like the ideal state of of like asking this question i would hope that we could have this view of our our community um in space not in covid like being able to say like oh how do we be more saintly together and i think the answer right now is so different than it would be in you know like quote unquote normal times so that's like where i'm kind of juggling this question like i just don't know yeah 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 thanks for sharing sarah too because i feel like i've even been sitting in that same space but even as you were talking part of me is even wondering if like not that there it shouldn't be this like um there shouldn't be this inaction or this like like the complacency but I even wonder if um kind of as Nick was saying I can't remember if this was in like the large group session or if this was like when we'd all when we were off in our breakout rooms but Nick had shared about living from um an internal truth and an internal like trusting yourself and I think like in that from that space of trusting yourself you're also going to like naturally, hopefully naturally lean into your giftings and, and who you are and who you have like been like made to be. And I think from that, we also live into like getting to gift unto others. And so I even wonder if there are things that we just naturally and innately do because of who we are as individuals and like who we are as different people. Not that there doesn't need to be like organizing and community building and like organizing in the like community sense as well as like the like social justice sense too but I also wonder if there are things that we just naturally do that like I don't know that like we maybe don't think about like I even remember um there was someone who's like on our leadership team I'll just Savannah they are they are great they're not on this call tonight but we were on a walk back like two months ago and Savannah just like kept picking up trash like on our walk. And it was like the smallest thing, but it just stuck with me. And I think that's probably something that Savannah has probably done for a while and just innately does because that's who they are. And so, yeah, I, I wonder too, if there are things that we're not thinking of because of, we're like, oh, well, of course I would, I would do that. Like that's why wouldn't I? Um, and so we almost miss even the giftings that we are getting to like give to the world. Maddie, I love that you brought up that example um, because that reminded me like the same thing happened with my mom the other day. We went on a walk and right as we were getting back to her house, um, there was like a bunch of trash on the sidewalk. And then she proceeded to just like pick up every single piece of trash. It looked like it had maybe blown out of a truck or something, you know, so it was just like this one area with a lot of trash. And I, <laughs> I probably would not have done that if I had been by myself, you know, and it was just like, you know, um, everyone has a gift and everyone has their thing. I think a lot of the saints that we um, hear about either in the church or in popular culture, like they're known for one thing. They're not known for like doing every single thing. Um, even thinking about the works of mercy, you know, to um, visit the prisoner, to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, um, to clothe the naked. Like are we doing all of those things every day? Like those are, those are a variety of different skill sets, you know, <laughs> like cooking meals for the hungry is not the same as like, you know, mending people's clothes or like visiting people in hospice. You know, we're all called to do different things. We may not even see 
um, what we're doing as service or as saintly because it comes so naturally. But when we share that um, with the world, other people will see that and be like, oh my gosh, like I'm definitely not a trash picker upper, but like maybe I can strive to be. Yes, and I think also you can't, you can't really be a saint apart from community. The, it is it is it is the community that even empowers you um, to to acknowledges and empowers you to be a saint. Um, or wh whether someone acknowledge you know calls your name, whether you get a certificate or a trophy or whatever, you get a bunch of likes on Facebook or not. Um, the reality of it is, you know, you do your saintliness or what have you um, within community um, and um, and the work that we do helps to build community hopefully you know helps to create community helps to transform communities um, as well so um, it's like that both and the yin and the yang you know it is the individuals who make up the community but it's also the community who empowers the individuals um, to, to serve create spaces um, for them to serve. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, to that end, Delesslin, it, it makes me think of, I mean, even the Open Tables anti-racism training. And I, I know that it's something I was that, waiting for somebody to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what I had in mind. Yeah, but, it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, this summer we did a we did a series where we were trying to talk about characteristics of white supremacy culture and how Christian mysticism can hold an some antidotes for us. Um, and I, I think about even just waking up to one's own racial identity and then um, taking it upon ourselves to also interrupt harmful cultural um, uh, harmful cultural practices or different behaviors or words that are spoken that, that are just perpetuating oppression. Um, like that, that again does something, but it requires a community in order to maintain that type of work. So like in order for me to have the um, wherewithal to continue to speak up, um, I, I, need, I need those relationships around me uh, when it gets hard. Um, because sometimes it, it like, you know, we're, we're all humans as well. And, and sometimes we can, we um, need to take breaks. Sometimes we may doubt ourselves. Um, and so it's important for us to have one another to support one another in this work to actually bring about liberation <laughs> through speaking up against things like white supremacy culture, anti-blackness, racism, those kinds of things. But we can't do that on our own. <laughs> you know, uh, that also kind of defeats the whole purpose. Like me as a white guy, I can't be doing that by myself. Like, uh, like I, I also need to have relationships with other white folks. Um, I need to, you know, be responsible for uh, my white siblings uh, as it relates to this. But at the same time, also need to be developing relationships with people of color. Um, authentic relationships with people of color. Because like, how do we think that we're gonna kick this thing called racism, white supremacy, if as white folks, we just keep hanging out with more white folks <laughs> and not developing relationships with, with people of color? You know, like true authentic relationships with people of color where, where everything is actually out on the table um, and we can, we can 
call one another to to something better to to create a culture where that that thing known as racism is is no longer present so uh yeah we got to have community for that i haven't nick that was good because that like i've been thinking a lot the past week about how to invite other white people into this journey with me because I <laughs> I tend to be just feisty and I see something and I want to just be like, ah, oh, stop it. Like, what are you doing? And, um, you know, I just get, I, you know, just blah. And I've been trying to really, you know, try to figure out how to invite. And I think that's part of like how, how we, how I, you know, can enter this, this space of becoming more saintly is how do you, how can I make sure that I'm inviting other white people to come into this journey? And I'm not gatekeeping, right? I'm not like, oh, you don't know how to do that. How dumb, like trying to be like the good white person or whatever. And I'm not just exploding with rage and shooting them off to some other place, you know, but trying to how, yeah. So that's where I've been thinking a lot about this past week. I think one of the things that I often think about, particularly um, when we have the conversation about race in communities, uh, within communities of faith, um, I think too often we forget that we do this work because we are faithful people. We don't do this work just because it's good socially do this work just because you know to get a certain vote or what have you we do this work because it is God's work and um and I think um I think that is what for me um helps the conversation um move further along because it connects it to something much deeper than the color of our skin um, and it connects it to something much deeper um, that will sustain us when it does get harder. Um, so even being able to think about, and you know, I don't do this work just because it's popular or because it is something that everybody should be on the bandwagon to do. I do this work because it is God's work. And because I am a child of God, a part of me being faithful um, is to be anti-racist, to be pro-reconciling, to be, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, so yeah, so that, you know, I would add that to the conversation as well, because I think a lot of times where, um, <laughs> I'm gonna say it, you know, y'all can get me in the chat, in the comments, and, you know, but I think a lot of times where the work of social justice falls flat is because it does not start from a place of faithfulness. Faithfulness and spirituality gives social justice work depth in a way that, you know, helps you to keep on keeping on, that helps you to um, get up the next morning, even though you lost the fight yesterday. That helps me to, you know, continue to smile and exude the joy of Christ when I know um, you may not mean me any good just because of the color of my skin. 
So, um, so that is one thing that I think also that faith communities can help people to understand even more um, that, um, that even though this work is hard, um, we serve an amazing God who is able to do exceeding abundantly all, um, you know, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So even if we can't imagine it, we serve a God who is faithful to us. And because we are faithful to God and faithful to the call of being anti-racist, we can keep doing the work. All right, open table. Now I told y'all we on Facebook Live. We can't have these little quiet moments. <laughs> well, I do have a question for you, Delesslin, if you if you are willing, uh, willing. Um, and thank you too for before I ask my question, um, for for naming what you just named too. Um, yeah, yeah. I think personally, it's um, I think as I began to like process my own like whiteness and like my own racial identity it was also at the same time I was like deconstructing a lot of like, well, what is sin? And like, the, like some like other, how the Christianity I was handed was very white as well. Um, and so to even hear it rooted in this faithfulness is, um, is a refreshing thing to, to receive. So thank you for sharing that and your wisdom with us. Um, but I wondered too, like kind of, you know, harkening back to like this intro poem and story you shared with us about your grandmothers, your Ruby saints. Um, when did you finally be like, oh, these are my saints, like the, not just your only saints, but um, when did you in your life be like, oh, my grandmothers are saints? Um, yeah, I would just be curious to hear. When Nick asked me to say something tonight, no, I'm playing. <laughs> hey, that would have been a great answer too. I would have been like, awesome, let's go. <laughs> Hey, we'll take that recent discovery. <laughs> All right, you know, ding, 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 ding. So, um, yeah, I, um, so I, I lost both of my grandmothers some, some time ago now. And so anytime I'm invited to reflect on, you know, persons who have gone on that inspire me, I always go back to family. Um, and, and, and those two in particular, and my, um, my godmother, um, I'll name her Serena. Thomas um, as well. Um, um, and part of that is because my family, we grew up, you know, where, you know, hey, you, you stay close to family, you know, your family will be there for you, your family loved you, your family will show up for you, your family will support you. That's what I know. That's, that's, that's what I know. That's what I've grown up with. That's what I appreciate. That's what I celebrate. Um, but as it relates specifically to like the saint piece, it goes back to what I was sharing earlier. Um, growing up, everybody was a saint. Like if you were a child of God, you know, you active in the church, you know, it was, you know, brother this, sister that, or what have you. This is years ago. And um, and so if you are a Christian, you are a saint, period. Like that's how I grew up. Like there were no super saints, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. There were people who may have been recognized for, you know, specific acts or, you know, in the community or what have you within the life of the church. But for the most part, you know, everyone, you know, could, could, could follow Jesus. 
And that's all that saint meant, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that was available to everybody. And so um, my grandmothers for me just um, inspired that for me um, as women of faith who were committed to family and committed to their church, you know, and um and even though I recognize that um, like one of the lines I, I, I shared tonight was, you know, with my, my grandmother Teresa, like, you know, God as she understood God to be. Um, and now I'm clear that how I understand God to be is probably very different from what she understood, how she understood God, but it is okay because there is room for a variety of understandings um, of who God is. And there is room for a variety of ways for us to be saintly. And there is room for a variety of ways for us to be witnesses in the earth um, of, of, of grace and mercy and love and compassion and joy and gratitude, Billy Carey. I, I just love like this worldview shift that you're offering to us tonight um, because, you know, I think the idea that that like everyone can be a saint and like if you're following Jesus, then like we've got a house full of saints, you know, like how does that allow us to let go of perfectionism? How does that allow us to like be uh, to have more grace with ourselves to be less judgmental of others? Um, it reminds me of a conversation I had recently with um, another pastor friend of mine where I was like really struggling with my faith and kind of like, yeah, I try to do a devotional and I do it like one time and then I don't do it again. And like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just kind of like, I'm like not a good Christian. And he was just like, okay, but like you did it that one time. Like you did, you did it. You prayed that day you know, and like, and just like my own mindset of just like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it right. I'm not you know, whatever. And, and just shifting it to be like, okay, but like, what am I doing? And can I just celebrate that? What are other people doing? Can I celebrate them? So, um, this is not a perspective I had ever considered before. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us tonight. You're welcome. You're welcome. Look at me inspiring shifts. <laughs> Um, I did want to share one comment from the Facebook live. Um, this is from Travis. Um, Travis has said, I often have to remind white Christians, people that, uh, white Christian people that black lives matter is a theological statement. It's not trying to be political. It's trying to honor the humanity of those who have been so ruthlessly told that they don't that's honoring God's image. So, so one thing that I find for myself is, is, is not, owning the gold that I bring to this world and discounting my contribution and, and letting that be a block to doing other things. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that is uh, something I find for myself. So are you, are you saying that you, you, because I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So, yeah. And so it's like, uh, oh, if I do this, it won't make any difference. Oh. Or, you know, I let that stop me. It's like, oh, it's this one little thing is insignificant. Mm -hmm. Why, why is it worth doing? And, 
and and not realizing the importance that it may be to somebody else or to other people and 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 letting that get in the way of actually moving forward it's really yeah. just every little step it is it is it is i think too many times we've you know we're in this culture of like supersize it, biggie size it, quick, fast, in a hurry. Everything is shiny, glittery, glamorous. So if it if it's something that you know may not get a a, a Facebook post, you know, or what have you, or a tweet, you know, um, we tend to discount it and dismiss it. But the reality of it is, the one thing that you do is the one thing that I didn't do. It's the one thing that I may have never seen. It's the one thing that I may have never had the opportunity to have um, contact with or what have you. And so it really is all of us working together. Like I love um, in scripture where it talks about the body of Christ fitly joined together because all of us have a variety of gifts and graces that can be used. And um, and I don't think, I do not think, I do not think, I do not think that any one person, any one church, any one denomination has the monopoly on being servants. <laughs> No one has a monopoly on that. No individual, no organization. So we need you um, to do that one thing that you may seem that you might see as small, but the person for whom or with whom um, or who observed it may be like, mom may be blown because you took the time to do that one thing. And it is your one thing that may inspire that person with whom you serve to do their one thing. And then that person inspires somebody else to do their one thing. You don't know what effect and impact you have had because of your one thing. You don't know. So don't dismiss the one thing, you know, don't dismiss the one thing, you know, in, um, I think about in, in scripture, there are, you know, based on what we have in the text, based on what we have in the text, there are some things that Jesus did one time, once, but, and we still talking about it 2000 years later. Now I'm not saying they are gonna be talking about what you did 2000 years from now, but what I am saying is <laughs> do not dismiss, despise not small beginnings. Um, um, but celebrate that you are able, that you are available, that, you know, that God saw fit to put you in contact with the one thing or to assign you to do that one thing or to speak out that one word or to say that one prayer or to give that one word of encouragement or to give that one smile, whatever it is, um, don't dismiss it and keep doing your one thing, you know, do your one thing every day or what have you, um, because it, it, I believe it all makes a difference. It is always for us to let our light shine, um, God's light within us to shine through each and every one of us um, so that people will see our good works and give God glory. You know, we were talking about Dorothy Day earlier while other folks were in the breakout room. There, there was something that I was just reminded of. Um, Dorothy Day was deeply inspired by uh, St. Therese, uh, also known as like the little flower. 
And one of the things that 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 Dorothy talks about that 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 she was inspired by about St. Therese was um, she says this. So each protester witness for peace, though apparently foolish and ineffective, no more than a pebble in a pond might send forth ripples that could transform the world. And so Dorothy Day was deeply inspired by Teresa's little way, um, knowing that it's like if we're faithful to the little things, like we're not necessarily called to be even successful or effective, although that would be nice, <laughs> uh, like we're called to be faithful again. And so that, I was just reminded of that when you were, when you were sharing. That's good that we're not called to be effective, we're called to be faithful. That's something to think about. Yep, and there's only one savior who died one time <laughs> for all of us and rose one time and changed the world. Thank you for that, Delesslin. Yeah, let's give a little uh, American Sign Language clap for, for Delesslin for being with us tonight. It was so good. Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. It's been a joy.